Good morning. Y'all ready to salsa dance this morning? Yeah? Yeah? <laughs> That's next week. Don't worry. I'm just kidding. Oh, it's so good to see you all this morning. Glad we could be together as we gather and worship, whether you're here with us in person, whether you're worshiping online. I just want to say welcome. And I'm so glad uh, that you are here. It's great to be together um, as part of the family of God. All right, I'm going to go ahead and dismiss our kids now uh, for Revolution Kids. Glad you guys are here. Got Miss Trish and Mr. Matt this morning. So be nice. It's the staff spouse, the pastor spouse's Sunday. There you go. <laughs> Is it working? Yeah. Okay, that's exciting live. Thank you, Lord. All right. Well, we are continuing this morning uh, in our teaching series. My remote access is not. Here it goes. Now it's going to load. Brenda, I might just let you run it, but you can just stick on that one for just a minute. So we're uh, continuing in our teaching series based on the Disney movie Encanto as a sort of a fun way to round out our summer before our fall launch, September 11th. Here in a few Sundays, we're going to have our fall kickoff event. You'll be hearing more about that later in the service. But I thought this would be a fun way to kind of round out uh, the end of the summer. Learning about some life lessons from arguably the most relatable family ever. <laughs> of all the different family dynamics uh, that are covered in sort of just one family and one movie. We know this. Relationships are hard. Families can be messy and complicated and exhausting. And sometimes it feels like in life we're just waiting on a miracle waiting for something to change, waiting for healing in some relationship, waiting for a second chance, waiting for more, longing for more out of this life, maybe waiting to be blessed like others that we see around us have been blessed with certain gifts. And so our question is, how can we navigate these sort of complicated and messy relationships we find ourselves in in life? with family and friendships and co-workers? How can we navigate these with sort of truth and love and find a sense of healing, find, find a sense of peace? But even deeper than that, as we sort of dig into this movie together, these characters, we're also realizing some gospel lessons for us and remembering who we are and whose we are as we are called to operate as this family of God together. So it's sort of multifaceted, right? Many layers here. Uh, but on a deeper level, there are these gospel lessons that we can learn and be reminded of as members together in the body of Christ here. And sort of my approach is that we're going to be doing this and, and looking at different lessons each week for this sort of three-week miniseries um, by, by looking at a different character each week. And, and hearing kind of their perspective, learning a little bit more about their story and a lesson that they can teach us when it comes to our relationships. Last week, we looked at Mirabelle. Uh, this week, I'm going to cover three. Don't worry, quickly. <laughs> We're going to talk about three. The first one, maybe be un a little unexpected, is just going to kind of set it up for us this morning. I want to spend just a moment, before I talk about the siblings, talking about La Casita. Okay, can you go back for me? There, the house, Okay. Uh, we're going to talk just a minute, just a minute, because this is the house, this is the home where the family Madrigal lives. And it sort of takes on a personality and life of its own in the film. It's, it's magical and it interacts with the family, kind of makes their day-to-day -day lives easier, from helping someone get dressed to rearranging furniture or setting the table. Sounds nice, right? 
I'd like a, yeah, that would be great. Uh, it, this casita, it presents as a family of sorts, as a, a member of the family of sorts, as a character. And this was the first gift given, as I talked about last week there in Kanto, the first gift given on the night that Abuela, with her baby triplets, fled her home and fi- violence in their hometown, um, tragically loses her husband, Abuelo, in an act of sacrifice and love to protect the rest of his family. And in that deepest moment of loss and despair, she's lost her home, she's lost her husband, this candle that she had been carrying as she fled her home ignites and creates this magical house, a new home and a new place for her family to live. This is their Encanto. So this casita is the first of that gift. And what comes after, of course, are the magical gifts of the family members down the line. So in an opening song that kind of introduces the family, Abuela says this, We swear to always help those around us and earn the miracle that somehow found us. Work, hold on, let me go over here. Earn the miracle that somehow found us. The town keeps growing, the world keeps turning, but work and dedication will keep the miracle burning. And each new generation must keep the miracle burning. We swear to always help those around us. And this miracle must keep burning. This statement by Abuela sort of becomes the foundation for their home and how this family and this casita operate. This becomes the foundation for who they are and their purpose. This is who we are and what we must do, serving the village around them who comes to depend on them. And in Abuela's mind, in her mind, earn the miracle. I want y'all to hold on to that and remember that. Earn the miracle that found them on that night so long ago. Keep the miracle going. Keep the candle burning. Each new generation must do this. And what sort of happens is that this way of thinking, this way of life becomes the environment in which they all live and operate. Passed on to each new generation. And if you've seen the movie, what you know happens after that is each next generation feel the weight and pressure of expectation to do just this, to earn this miracle that has found them and to keep it going. This is what Abuela says, right? So each new generation kind of feels this pressure. And I think uh, the two that kind of uh, come forward as like they, they most acutely feel this weight of expectation and pressure are the two characters that we're really going to look at this morning, and that is Maribel's sisters, Isabella and Luisa. Go to the next one. This is now working for me here. So, Brenda, I'm going to let you run it, okay? Oh, there we go. Here, that's me. Isabella. I'm not Isabella. Okay, as you remember, she grows a flower, and the town goes wild. She is the perfect golden child, the oldest born in Maribel's side of the family. With the wave of an arm, she creates these perfect, beautiful, symmetrical flowers. She seems flawless and beautiful, and she's engaged to be married to the handsome Mariano in the movie. She will be the first Madrigal to continue the family, right, to get married, to continue to the next generation, to please Abuela, to live up to this expectation. And then there's Luisa. She has super strength. She can move anything from a pile of donkeys to a whole church building. 
As she walks down the street in the town, it seems everybody has constant need for her, and she is constantly on it, constantly needed, constantly on top of it. She like There's a scene, she's walking down the street, and people are just calling, Louisa, Louisa, I need this. And she's like, on it, and like does it with one hand, and just keeps going. Yeah! <gasps> that would have been such a more fun layer to this, Steve, to identify each of our... Louisa, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> on it, on it. Okay, but what happens is that as Maribel discovers that there's a problem with the, mag the, the magic, she goes to her two sisters first and kind of tries to do some investigation. She actually goes to Louisa first, and she goes, do you, there's something going on. Have you noticed anything? Have you noticed anything? Dolores says your eye has been twitching. <laughs> do you, are you, are you stressed? <laughs> do you notice anything? And she says, no. Louisa says, no, I'm the strong one. I'm not nervous. I'm as tough as the crust of the earth is. I move mountains and I move churches. And this is the best line. Do you know it? And I glow because I know what my worth is. <laughs> She's like, no, I'm good. It's all good. I'm tough. Indestructible, she says. And in arguably one of the coolest songs, too many cool songs in this movie, she kind of confesses how she's really feeling under the surface. Under the surface of all this weight and pressure and expectation, she shares some other things. She says, I'm pretty sure I'm worthless if I can't be of service. She says, it feels like give it to your sister, your sister's older. Give her all the heavy things that you can't shoulder. She questions, who am I if I can't run with the ball? This is my purpose. Who am I if I can't be of service? I got this. I, I fix everything. I carry everything. I'm the strong one. But in the song, she kind of allows herself to say, but what if? But wait. If I could shake the crushing weight of expectation, she says this, would that free some room up for joy? or relaxation, or simple pleasure. Instead, we measure this growing pressure, and it keeps growing and growing and growing. Louisa confesses that she feels she may crumble under the weight of this expectation and pressure. And she's worried because she senses, too, that something's wrong with the magic, and her fear is that she won't be able to keep it up and be the strong one because she's starting to feel weak. That's her big confession to Mirabelle. On that night when you saw the house start to crumble and crack, for the first time ever, I felt weak. And it scared her. So if it's going to work, I have a little short clip of Louisa sort of uh, discovering her feelings and, and, and maybe being weak and confessing to Mirabelle here for just a minute. There is something you should know. Last night, when you saw the cracks, I felt weak. Pip, I'm, I'm, my I'm, gift! I'm losing my gift! What?
No, that that's no, it's not that anymore. <laughs> Bless her and Louisa. Her whole worth is tied up in this gift. So she's feeling behind and she's feeling like she can't carry it all and she's feeling like it's all over, right? She's overwhelmed. Okay, so then we also have Isabella. I want to talk, to, talk about them together, okay, because they're both feeling the same weight and pressure of expectation to earn this miracle, to keep it burning to the next generation, and this is our next generation. When, she con- when Mirabelle goes to, con- to confront her sister Isabella, she has another confession of sorts about her relationship uh, with Mariano, and I do have a longer clip that I want to share now. You got this. Just gonna save the miracle. Stuck being perfect her whole life, never wanted to marry this person, felt like it was just what she had to do to make her family happy. And what you see happen right there is for the first time ever, she creates a cactus. (laughs) Instead of beautiful, flowing, perfect roses, there's a cactus. And I know this, this song that comes next is beautiful too, right? She just made it something unexpected, something sharp. Something new. It's not symmetrical or perfect, but it's beautiful because it's mine. And then she has the courage to ask, what else can I do? What else can I do? Stuck doing things to please other people, doing what others always expected of her. She didn't even know the limits and power of her own gift, of what she was even capable of. So here you have these two sisters, Louisa who feels the pressure to be strong for everyone else. Don't show any emotion or weakness to the point that she has no rest, so, sorry, no room for rest or joy in her life. 
She feels her whole purpose is what she can do for other people. And then you have Isabella, who's stuck being perfect, feels the pressure to make Abuela happy, that she has to marry someone that she doesn't even want to. I know that these are feeling relatable to some of us in some ways of how we live out of sort of this pressure and weight and expectation that we often feel in our lives, all based on this house rule, almost, for Abuela to earn the miracle. Everybody is counting on you. And work and dedication, we must keep this miracle burning. All right, I want to switch gears for you just for a second. Set this up with the casita and the house rules and what they're dealing with. And I want to offer you our word of hope today as members of the household of God, of sort of the house that we are called to live in. Okay, and we're going to switch gears and dive into Ephesians chapter 2 here for just a few moments. And I'm going to read this for us. This is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, and then the end of the chapter, verses 18 through 22. And I'll read it for us. Paul says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work and the sons of disobedience, among whom we have all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus." For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Verse 18, for through him we both have access and one spirit to the Father. So then we are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, and whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. All right, if last week our image for how we operate together as the household of God was a body with many parts and members and roles, today the image is a house. The image is a dwelling place for God. This is our metaphor for us this morning. Because it says we are being gathered together. We are being built together to become a holy place, a dwelling place for God where two or more are gathered together in the name of Christ. There he is. To be the real presence that shows up in the world. Right? We are being built together to become like this dwelling place, this house. And so how do we know this? What are some other clues from this passage? 
that help us to know that we're not just talking about like a physical building, like clearly we know that God is present beyond the walls of, of this church. We're not talking about just a, a physical presence, but we're talking about kind of a house, a, a belonging, an identity, kind of a way of life. And there's one word that shows up twice in this passage that kind of gives us a key and, and a little bit of a clue. And it's the word, the Greek word that was used for walking. If you can show that, there we go. We saw this word first in verse 1, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world. And then it shows up again in verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for us that we should walk in them. And what I want us to hear and understand is that we're not talking about just like walking down the street, like one foot in front of the other. We're not just talking about simple steps that an individual might take. We're talking about a manner of walking, a way in which we live our lives, a whole, a whole worldview, a whole outlook, a whole way of life together. Bible commentator uh, Kyle Fever says this, the idea might be equivalent to the house in which we live and make our dwelling. This idea of walking, it's not just steps, it's, it's a manner of being, a manner of walking. One sets up a house according to everyday living habits and preferences and things we take for granted. And the setup reinforces these everyday habits. We put the toothpaste in a certain drawer, we place pots and pans in certain places because of how and why we use them. This is more than just ways or course of the house, it's an entire environment that makes for certain ways of going about details, going about the details. We're talking about decisions and habits and, and a whole community built on this pattern of life. We might think of it as a rule of life, and not like rules like in a legalistic way or like check the box kind of way, but something that guides and patterns our life together as a holy way of life. And Paul says you were once dead, walking and living and being in ways that were not of this world. And all these things that he lists here, talking about passions of the flesh or talking about, uh, you know, the powers of the air and the spirit that's now at work and the sons of disobedience. This could be anything from cosmic forces to spiritual warfare to evil at work in the world to our own sinful desires. I mean, he's really kind of covering every base here. In your old life and the, and the way you used to operate, it was according to the patterns and ways of the world. You lived in a different house, a different mindset, a different outlook. It's really, you want to think about any ruler that is not Christ. Anything that rules, any power of this world that is not of Christ. That's where we were walking. That's where we were living. That's, where we, that's the house we lived in, and it led to death. It was death. But now, verse 4 says, God being rich in mercy because of great love, even when we were dead in that old house, made us alive together in Christ. And he says, by grace you have been saved through faith by grace. Christ has given us a new life. Christ has given us a new name, a new identity, a new home, a new house, if you will. A new place to belong, to be built together into a dwelling place of the Spirit. And it's in this dwelling place that we are called to live and move and have our being. 
So the casita, hold on just a second. In this house, these are the different rules that we live by now, right? These are the different rules. In this house, as a pattern of, as a pattern of life, not legalistic, but in this house, you are God's workmanship, it says in verse 10. A masterpiece beautifully created in the image of God. In this house, grace reigns. You've been saved by grace and not works. In this new house, you are valued for being you and not by a gift that you have or works that you can do. In this house, you are saved by faith and not works. I want you to hear sort of the casita functioned as an old way of life for the Madrigal family. Right? In that house, Abuelo reigned. In that house, you had to earn the miracle, and you had to earn your gift, and you were valued for only what you could offer to other people. You were valued for your work and dedication, keeping the family going at all costs. And what was the cost? But this crippling sense of expectation and pressure. What they needed was Maribel to have the courage of love to sort of break them free from that old system, of that old way of life. What they needed was Maribel to actually see the members of her family for who they are. Say, oh my goodness, you're carrying way too much. You're doing way too much. They needed Maribel to speak truth and and to forgive and, and to reconcile members of the family back together. What they needed was a new house. And if you've seen the movie, we're going to talk about this even more next week, but that house does fall. The one that they lived in, the casita, it falls. It crumbles. And they have to learn, relying on the gifts of the village that come to their aid of how to build a new house and what that's going to look like. This is what we have been given in Christ, a new home, where there is nothing you have to do to earn God's love. Do you hear that? You are God's workmanship and handiwork and masterpiece. You are sons and daughters of a king. You are saved by faith in Christ. And friends, I know this feels like a really basic message, but I know it's something we all struggle with. We get stuck in this sort of like moral perfection, you know, kind of like we think God demands moral perfection from us. And we are never going to be good enough. We could never achieve that on our own. So we have to have Christ who comes and steps in for us. And that is true. We need Christ. But what Christ also does is sets us free from that old system and ways of the world and life. To abide with God. To become a dwelling place with God. To use our gifts to build one another up. To share love with our neighbor in the world. Not to somehow, like push buttons and, and earn, you know, like earn some, some reward of salvation. But it's because that's how God designed us to be in community with one another, to be in this home together. And some of us need to be reminded of this this morning, that your pressure to be strong for everyone else, to not show any weakness, to not be human, or your pressure to be perfect and to live up to everyone else's expectation and how they they expect things of you. But that's not the way our God works. That you might feel that from other people in your life. 
But I want you to hear the reminder this morning that that's not how our Heavenly Father operates and works. God sees you and loves you and created you and gifted you and desires to set you free in Jesus Christ that you may find joy and pleasure in community with God and with this church together. And when we respond to that grace, when we do serve in the world, when we do share our gifts with others, the blessedness and the, and the gratefulness that comes from, from abiding together, that's the gift. Not some gold star you're going to get or jewels on your crown in heaven one day. That's, that's not the design. Some of us need to be reminded of this this morning. Maybe you are someone who feels like you resonate very much with Luisa and Isabella the pressures that you're carrying. And you need to know that Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and you will find rest in me. Find rest in this grace and in this love and in this truth. Or maybe others of you are going, oh, I don't really resonate too much with them. So I want you to maybe ask yourself some questions and say, okay, are you more like Abuela? Are you more like Abuela who has the really high expectations for others? whether it's in your family, in your friend group, whether it's here, so high that you are not being able to see them for who they are and to love them for who they are, to allow them to be human, to need help, to make mistakes. Maybe you're not even aware that you do that. or Maybe some people have tried to lovingly tell you in your life, man, I can't live up to all the expectations you're giving me right now. There's a word of hope of us together in Christ Jesus this morning. And a question that we want to ask ourselves, and I want to ask you, is what house are you living in? Are you living in the house, the, the, the old pattern of life, the, the one where the powers of the world rule, where your worth is only seen in what you can achieve and earn and do? living under the new house, the new reign of grace in Jesus Christ. Seeking through forgiveness and love to see one another as masterpieces of Christ, masterpieces of God. Loving one another for who we are and, and sort of being built together as a holy dwelling place here. Set free from that powers of the world. The invitation is always before us, friends, to come and find that freedom and that peace and that rest in the presence of God where here you belong and you are loved and we can be set free. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for who you are and for how you continue to work in our world. God, I thank you just for simple reminders about our faith, that you don't expect moral perfection from us. Just invite us out of love to experience life with you and communion with you. God, I thank you for, for simple gospel reminders of who we are that can come through fun ways like a Disney movie. Reminders that are all around us of who you are calling us to be. Would you give us eyes to see? Would you give us eyes to see how you're at work in the world? these constant reminders that are drawing us closer to you. Because the truth is, in lots of different seasons of life, we need to be reminded of who you are and how much you love us. So God, I pray for each person 
here today and tuning in today, and I pray that whatever pressure they're under, whatever, whatever burden they are carrying this morning, that they would feel some relief in your presence and by your grace this morning. That they, that they would know that they are a beloved child of God. Invitation is just to come and to dwell in the presence of God, to be forgiven, to be set free, but not to take on an old system of the world to earn any sort of righteousness or goodness, but that we are good because you redeemed us and called us your own. So God, I ask that your spirit would continue to lead and guide us this morning as we continue to celebrate and as we prepare our hearts to approach your table of grace now. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.